Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boyfriend here with a very late edition of the Yearly Flip Podcast. Uh, it was my birthday on Monday, and I wasn't feeling like recording that day. And then I was just being a lazy piece of crap, so... But hey, hey, the, the streak keeps going. I'm not missing the pod. Um, we're here to talk about uh, UFC... 294 that everyone already talked about a, re- a lot. So I just do a, like a quick recap, give some thoughts about some things, but but not go too deep into that. Uh, we go through quite a few fight announcements that I missed uh, last week, and I'll get into some questions that you guys asked me on Twitter to round up the whole thing. So let's get into UFC 294. Uh, the rematch, short notice, Alexander Volkanovsky stepped up to fight Islam Mahachev in the main event. Uh, Mahachev wins by uh, head kick and ground pound. And pretty good performance by Mahachev. Uh, I talked about on Twitter already about how I think he used the... I mean, a, a lot of people were saying before the fight that the kicks were very effective. Obviously, we, we know that. Volkanovski has had trouble dealing with Salpas uh, in the past, and especially with Mahachev in their first fight. Uh, so a lot of us were excited to see what Volkanovski is going to bring to the table, and I felt like Mahachev uh, could afford to be more aggressive on the on the feet this time around. I said on the on the on the full preview, I talked about how. Mahachev, after, after the success that he had on the striking on the first fight, uh, he probably could afford to be like more aggressive with the striking and more selective with the wrestling, considering how the first fight went. And uh, I think here the short notice hurt Polkanovski because uh, he did not get to... He did not get to, to adjust, you know? And to me, it looked like he wasn't as sharp uh, on the feet, I mean, it, it clear. It is clear to me that he missed uh, the the necessary amount of like drilling and sparring to deal with a with a bigger opponent of the quality of Mahachev. I'm not trying to to discount Mahachev wins uh, win here. He looked very impressive uh, with the kicks. Uh, he set up Volkanovski pretty well. Uh, Volkanovski, the the game plan was kind of puzzling because he was not throwing a lot. Uh, he looked good in the in the short grappling sequence in the clinch that they had, uh, but yeah, uh, Volkanovski. So he was conceding ground a lot, so he was putting with his back to the fence a lot during this fight. But when it came for the turn for Mahachev to kick, uh, Volkanovski was like standing his ground and blocking. He did not want to back up, maybe to not like get like immediately to the gauge and put into takedown situations. Uh, I was commenting on Twitter how Mahachev has this kind of a tail in his quick. He swings his arm, he drags his rear, f- his rear foot, and so Bokanovsky kind of saw the kicks coming, but Mahachev did a great job of not uh, telegraphing what kick it was. Like it was very hard to tell if it was like low kick, middle kick, high kick, and even the his snap front kick looked kind of similar that his to his roundhouse kicks. So it was good stuff by Mahachev. Uh, Volkanovski was trying to like stand his ground and block the kicks. Uh, at the end, he I think he read the kick as a as a middle kick because you can tell like he put, he put his body away and had one hand up, but uh, the kick kick uh, above his high guard it was not a, a good high guard f- to receive a high kick. And he was leaning into it too, so yeah, I mean, good stuff for Mahachev. I do not think this uh, immediately puts Ma- puts Islam above Volkanovski in the pound for pound rankings. Um, I I think it was like short notice against a bigger opponent. Uh, I think the the first fight was a lot more telling when it comes to that. Uh, Mahachev, obviously, one of the best fighters in the sport right now. N- not taking any credit go- away from him, he's great. He's fantastic, but but yeah, I think it it is still close. I think I still have Volkanovski first in my opinion. This doesn't like take away too much out of him. Uh, maybe it takes away from him like moving forwards, considering the damage and the, maybe a, a shot to his confidence. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, 
great for Mahachev. Not a lot to analyze in this fight. Uh, the kicking was uh, very good. Uh, it was a smart performance. He looked great. He looked sharp. And Volkanovski did not look very sharp. So there's that. Co-main event saw Hamzat Chimaev against Kamaru Usman. Uh, in an interesting fight, to be honest. Uh, so what surprised a lot of people, including me, was that Hamzat was able to take uh, Usman down in the first round. But you know, Chimaev come, comes out like a house on fire in the first round. Uh, the first takedown goes, uh, Chimaev shoots uh, for what it seems like a double. Uh, but Chimaev has a tremendous level change, like it's so quick, he has super long arms and, and apparently Usman has like the same reach as Chimaev, but yeah, uh, so Chimaev shoots uh, what it looks to be a double, Usman blades his stance a little bit, but Chimaev gets to a single on the rear leg, so that was like super cool. Um, because Usman was not ready to do, to do that. Uh, so Shimaev gets the single leg on the rear hand, starts uh, working the single, uh, elevates uh, elevates uh, the leg and dumps Usman, and that exposes the back, and then that's where Shimaev is the most dangerous with the mat returns for the rear cinch. So, so yeah, I mean, he worked the whole round there. At one moment, took the back, uh, of Usman was very close to getting the rain and choke. Uh, Usman took the risk of slamming himself and Shimaev down on the ground from, from standing up. So yeah, I mean, uh, first round, very dominant by Shimaev. Not that much ground pound, but I, th I still think uh, it was like a 10-8 round just because Usman did not get anything going. Then on the second round, uh, Usman starts got going with uh, with the striking a little bit. Uh, winning, like not super wide, but clearly winning the round. Uh, then at the end, uh, Chimaev surprises again with uh, very good distancing before sh uh, selecting the, the level changes too, and that uh, helps a lot with with making Chimaev look so quick. Obviously, he's a tremendous athlete, but yeah, he shoots a double leg. Uh, Usman unable to get any underhooks. Um, uh, Usman is able to stall Chimaev with the chest wrap. That is this one you get like two... Like two overhooks and instead of overhooking like you, you grab your both your hands and he was able to stall Shimaev for most. Uh, Shimaev got free at the end but the, the round finished so yeah I thought round two was very clear for Usman there. Then the third round we saw striking again. Usman very tentative with the jab that was a bit disappointing to be honest. He was like... Just like not keeping a constant jab, obviously afraid of the takedown here and maybe not feeling as sharp because he took this on very short notice as well. Uh, the third round, uh, yeah, Chimaev shoots. Uh, Usman, like, I don't know, I don't remember if he gets like head pressure or something, but Chimaev ends up like on a low single, like grabbing the ankle. He climbs the leg beautifully to, to like a single leg high cross situation. And then he he completes the double. Like uh, Usman defense, uh, taking the defense was not on point on this one. I mean, uh, all credit to Shimaev, but I think and and that last takedown, especially, I think Usman was a bit nervous, was not on the right headspace uh, because and yeah, uh, Shimaev gets a, a double leg and finishes with an outside trip. Uh, very cool, very cool finish there. Shimaev struggling to get ground and pound going from half guard. I mean, he still he still landed like some good shots. Uh, on top, it was like he did nothing. But yeah, I mean, uh, Usman on half guard gets to the double double underhooks and then goes for deep half. Uh, gets another hook on the leg. Uh, pendulums his weight and comes up with the single leg. Usman gets uh, to his feet again. Uh, that's like thirty seconds left, and they exchange a little bit. I think Usman still took the third round. Um, he won the, the striking before the takedown, uh, pretty pretty clearly, and I do not think that she might have landed like enough significant ground and pound to make up for the for the striking advantage that Usman had early. I think he he hit uh, she might way cleaner on the feet, and then on the dying seconds, I still think uh, Usman won the last exchange of the fight. Uh, so yeah, in my opinion, this was a draw. Shimaev 10-8 on the first, Usman 10-9 and 10-9 on the second and the third respectively. But uh, judges uh, otherwise, uh, it was a Shimaev unanimous decision. 
It's all right. Um, I think they want Chimaev to fight uh, Strickland for the title. Uh, Strickland said he he's going to defend against Chimaev, but he doesn't think he deserves it fighting against a uh, welterweight on short notice. And I agree with that, to be honest. But yeah, it's it's whatever. But yeah, I mean, Chimaev obviously very dangerous for anyone, uh, especially on the first round. The the wrestling and the grappling, the and the athleticism, it's it's very dangerous. But but then past the first round, it gets a lot more sketchy for Shimaev. Uh Against Strickland, uh, I think Strickland would have a lot of trouble in the first round, obviously. Um, just because Shimaev is just so overwhelming physically, even at one eighty five. Uh, but Strickland is a pretty big dude, a lot bigger than Kamaru Usman nowadays. And, and Strickland will get the jab going. He has decent takedown defense. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's a fight that Strickland could could win, especially if it goes long. He has a better style to put on like volume and to put on consistent volume. He's better at staying safe at uh, establishing a longer distance. Uh, I think Strickland is taller than Shimaev and has a longer reach. So there's that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting fight. Shimaev here looked good. Uh, the striking did not look very solid and the cardio uh, still has some question marks. So still managed to fight, like, not get overwhelmed on the second and third round despite being tired. I, I, I said before in the Burns fight, Shimaev uh, showed us that he's able to fight tired well. Uh, so he's obviously a very good fighter. So yeah, I mean, I would be excited to see that fight for the title next. Uh, after that, we have Magomed and Kalaev and Johnny Walker. Um, a decent sub in a, in a dogster stoppage, no contest. Uh, Walker was hit with a, with a knee when he was kneeling down, I think. I do not remember. I did not rewatch. It was a nothing fight. Uh, people were mad at the doctor because he asked Johnny Walker what round is it. And Johnny Walker was very confused. Uh, I think that's a valid question to make a fighter, to be honest. Um, he stopped the fight before because of that, I think. Uh, people were saying like, okay, but uh, Johnny Walker, that's not his first language. And he's also very stupid. And those are fair points. I mean, jo I think Johnny Walker's English is perfectly fine. But yeah, I mean, Johnny is not the brightest dude. But at the same time, like, you should know what round is it. I mean, especially at that. I don't know. Maybe he needed more time. I don't know. I, I don't care. I think my uncle Ivo was going to win this fight either way. Uh, before that, Ikram Aliskerov fought Warley Alves. Very nothing fight. Aliskerov uh, hurt him with a jab first. I think he dropped him. And then he finished him. Uh, landed a very nice fly knee, to be honest, against the cage. But, but yeah, I mean, good for Aliskerov. Uh, the striking looks solid. and uh, Not great. But, but solid, and obviously he's a good wrestler and grappler, so... So yeah, Liskerov, a uh, very dangerous proposition for the rest of the division. Uh, Saidur Magomedov was fighting, uh, fought Muin Gafurov, uh, and didn't really understood the matchmaking here. And... Uh, yeah, Gafurov put his head and... <laughs> Said gets the ninja choke, he's, he's very good at guillotines and getting ninja chokes and that kind of stuff. Uh, from headlock series from Said's very good, so he took the, the head home. Uh, good for Said, but this was like Gafarov was not on his level to begin with, but good going to get back on track. Before that, we have Mohamed Mokayev versus Team Elliot. And uh, yeah, Mokayev keeps, keeps uh, winning on the third round, to be honest. Uh, Elliot was winning this fight from his back, to be honest. Like Mokayev is still having trouble to put a ground pound together. But Elliot kind of implode and Mokaiva has good options from top position, got a, the arm triangle, uh, got the tap again, losing on the third round. We already saw that in fights against Malcolm Gordon and I mean, uh, Jael Filio, I think it was the name of his last opponent. So yeah, Mokaiev, obviously very good, like heart, and obviously the skills on top as a grappler and as a wrestler are tremendous, but, but the striking looks sketchy and... I know he, he has trouble putting ground pound, but, but yeah, I think Mokayev needs to fight the upper echelon of the division already. Uh, I'm not very interested in seeing him win these kind of fights anymore. I want to see him challenged by good fighters. I think Mokayev's very good, but he needs to start fighting people on his level of opposition. 
uh, there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered. Obviously, like beating fighters like Gordon, Filio, and now Elliot that are very good grapplers as a grappler is very impressive, but we'll see what happens when Mokaev doesn't get to impose his game or doesn't get to like get the the miraculous finishing finish at the end of the fight. Before that, Trevor Peak and Mohamed Yaya had a fight. Uh, Peak uh, fought with like less volume, but just as wild as he usually does. Uh, Yaya, as I said, like very like tactics-based fighter, just vibes and tries to win, being better. And he was not better than Trevor Peak, especially because Peak just hits a lot harder and puts more out there. So yeah, I mean, good win for Trevor Peak, I guess. You beat Bashar at Victor Henry, as you guys know, I was super excited about this one. I thought this was going to be the best fight of the night. They have like a kind of cold first round. I gave to Henry, will be at the, the leg kicks mostly. And on the third round, Javid lands uh, an inside leg kick that goes up to Victor Henry's nuts. Uh, terrible reaction by Henry immediately. Um, the doctor, for one reason, said that uh, to Henry that it did not hit him in the balls. And to what Henry replied, it was all balls and dick. <laughs> he said that in, in, in enormous pain. And now Javid Basharat and his coach, like Dewey Cooper and some other guys from Extreme Couture, are being complete dicks and say that Victor Henry took the easy way out in a fight that neither was like actually winning this is the same shit that O'Malley pulled off with with Pedro Munoz when Pedro Munoz clearly won the first round and then O'Malley poked him in the eye and said oh this coward didn't want to fight anymore because he knew he was going to lose like come on dude come the fuck on dude don't, don't be a fucking bitch and do that like just be a man and accept that shit happens it was an, an accidental fall and it was an out contest you can rematch any other time, but yeah, Jabir doing the same shit as Somali. Like, okay, I'm, I just, I'm still undefeated. I'm moving on from this. I mean, the, the one that sounds scared is you because you fouled. It's the same situation in the Mali uh, Munoz and the Basharat Henry. Is that you fall? You you break the rules. You injure the other fighter and you claim that they are scared. It's just such a bad look, man. Uh, Cedricus Dumas versus Abu Saitar, I don't really remember, uh, it was bad. Mike Breeden versus Anshul Jubilee, that was very fun. Uh, Jubilee was looking very good, first two rounds, then Breeden... Breeden, you know, has that dog in him, as the teenagers say <laughs> now, but yeah, Breeden comes out like a, like a maniac, uh, barking, uh, uh, putting on a, on a lot of bravado, and I think he really like got inside the head of Jubilee that was already like tiring and got hurt at the first. So yeah, he got inside his own head there and Breeden gets the knockout with the right hook. So good stuff for Breeden, like great comeback. Cannot complain. Uh, Jubilee, I think he looks good. Um, he looked good. He just needs a more polish, uh, but I'm not super down on him. Like. It was like a learning experience, I'm guessing. Uh, Mohamed Naimov for Nathaniel Wood. And, and some people were making fun of me for saying Nathaniel Wood, like Wood, like he's a good boy. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. But, but yeah, Nathaniel Wood against uh, Mohamed Naimov. Naimov completely shitting his ass off in this fight. Uh, fence grabs. Uh, low blows, super hard low blows, two of them, uh, two bad defense grabs, one that prevented a takedown for sure, then on the third round he got hurt and Nathaniel was unable to get the ground and pound going because of that. Uh, terrible refereeing the whole fight, um, in my opinion this deserved to be a draw without a point deduction because that third round Nathaniel would beat his Beat his shit in like that was a 10-8 round for me like not super like close to a finish but that's not in the definition that's a 10-7 actually um i think it was clear 10-8 for for nathaniel on the third and then with a point deduction that this was a win for nathaniel wood to be honest uh it sucks that the referee was so bad you can argue that the both the both the the low blows were not intentional you still have to take a point because it's taking a it's making a big impact on the fight. You're injuring the other fighter for free. So what's the incentive to not foul in that? Like, so you just start throwing like inside leg kicks and hoping that one of them lands 
in the balls uh, because it's free damage for you and you get no consequences for that. And then the fence, the fence grabs and referees keep making this idiotic shit where it just allows you to, if they're like different fouls, they do not count. Like you can get two low blows, two eye pokes, two fence grabs, two glove grabs. Uh, like it's so idiotic. Like, come on, dude, come on. So yeah, I mean, it's it's whatever. Naimov looked fine, but I think Wood was the better fighter and he was done dirty here. And I'm not like salty because I'm a fan of Nathaniel. I just thought the refereeing was bad and then the judges like dropped the ball as well. It was terrible all around. Uh, Tudakova and Jinju Fry had a fight. It was whatever. Uh, Jinju Fry probably getting caught here. And shot a bullet for Bruno Silva. And um, it was alright. Uh, uh, Shara was very aggressive from his back the few times that he got taken down. And it, I think this was the right decision, probably. Uh, I think all judges gave him the third round, and I think that's a bit strange, though. But yeah, I mean, uh, Silva, even with the Titans, could not get going with the ground and pound. That is such a good quality of his. So maybe, maybe a, a good look for Shara there. But I was not like over impressed by him. Well, let's get into some fight announcement. That was the, really the the pay per view. It was it was a mess. It was no, it was not a good pay per view. It had uh, promising fights, uh, but not a lot of good action. Like Shimai versus Usman was fine, I think. Uh, Breathing versus Jubilee was fun, but yeah, I mean it was not great. Uh, some fight announcement. Hyunsung Park is fighting Shannon Ross. Very surprised that Shannon Ross isn't cut yet. He's 0-3 in the UFC and also lost at Contender Series. So, so yeah, I mean, the UFC seems to like him. He 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 has fun fights and I like Shannon Ross, but, but yeah, I mean, it's been rough for him. It's whatever. Uh, Ketlin Vieira is fighting Macy Chiasson on January. And this is an interesting fight for 135, especially because we still don't have a champion. A uh, winner of this should probably fight for the title, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, good stuff. Uh, I should mm, hope it is a good fight. Chasson uh, probably looking to wrestle Biera here. But Biera has has been strong. Uh, has some lapses of bad takedown defense, but she's a good grappler. And as a striker, Chasson will bring the, the volume here. And Biera will bring the power. So it's an interesting matchup. Uh, Nasrat Hakparas is fighting Jamie Malarkey. This one is very good. I think this one was uh, booked uh, in the past already. But yeah, I mean, this one should be fun. Should be an exciting fight. Malcolm Gordon is fighting Jimmy Flick. It's good to have action at 125, especially at the, at the lower levels of the division. And I think both these guys are pretty good, so should be a good one, especially if they grapple. Uh, Malcolm Gordon is uh, it's a very exciting grappling, and Jimmy Flick is good there too. Also, Manyfield is fighting Dustin Jacoby. Good fight at 205. Uh, Manyfield, very improved. Uh, will be interesting to see how he approaches Jacoby here. Jacoby is still expect to be, have like a big striking advantage, but Manyfield is very powerful. Um, but Jacoby is the kind of guy that can exploit these like, uh, like, like meat and potato strikers that do not have a lot of depth. But maybe Manyfield will look to, to wrestle on this one. Probably, to be honest, but it's a good fight. For if, when it comes to 205, you can do a lot worse. Chris Curtis is booked again against Marc Andre Barriol. Uh, this one is a fantastic fight, to be honest. One of the, if you can, if you want to make an action fight at 185, you can do a lot better than this one. I'm excited about this one. Good fight. Uh, Rising has some fine announcements. Uh, Ogikubo is fighting John Dodson. That uh, Dodson, not Dodson. <laughs> yeah, that's one. That one's going to be fun. That one's going to be fun. Good fight. Um, Juan Archuleta is going to defend his rising title against Kai, Kai Asakura. That one is going to be a banger, I think, uh, because Archuleta is insanely tough. So I would not expect, uh, honestly, a, a super easy finish for Kai Asakura early. And if it goes late, like who knows? What's going to happen? Neil Magny is fighting Mike Malott at UFC 297. Uh, the UFC probably hoping Malott gets the 
a similar result to what uh, Ian Gary had. Um, that seems to be very popular over in Canada. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but do I am I expecting Melot to win? Uh, maybe because he's a very powerful athlete. He's a big dude, and Magni is starting to look like worse and worse. And uh, that loss to Gary was pretty bad. So yeah, maybe Melot wins this one. I I will have to watch tape when it comes to time. This one is also. I uh, know I already said that's UFC two ninety seven. That's happening on January twentieth. Josh Emmett is fighting Giga Chikatze on UFC 296, December 16th. I think that's the last pay-per-view. Yeah, that's the last pay-per-view of the year. Uh, very rough for Emmett uh, because... Because, yeah, this is a very similar matchup to Yair. We already saw how the Jair fight went. And he's also on a two-fight losing streak. So And Giga is coming off a win. So not really sure what they're doing here. They're, they're probably trying to get Giga to a title shot or something. But yeah, very rough matchmaking for Emmett. Cody Garbrandt is fighting uh, Brian Kelly here. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with this matchmaking. Um, like Cody will have a, a technical boxing advantage over Kelleher and the speed maybe. Uh, but Gallagher is a big hitter. He has some tricks on the feet, and he's a. Uh, both are decent wrestlers. Uh, Cody may be the superior wrestler here, to be honest. So yeah, I mean, it's fine. It should be fun. <laughs> this one should be fun. Uh, and if Cody wins, this uh, it's a good boost for his confidence, and it's a big win to anyone to have a win against a former UFC title holder even if they're past their prime so yeah if Kelleher wins this is huge for him so he's probably come to coming into this fight like super well prepared and focused that happens when fighters fight against former champions so yeah I mean Cody will probably have to look decent at least here to win uh, also on Rising Makoto Shinryu is fighting rematching Kiyoji Horiguchi after their first fight and on an eye poke and yeah, that's all the fine announcements. Um, so I get, uh, I'll ask you guys if you want some, to ask some questions. Um, yeah, Baldewar, a good buddy here over at Twitter, asked me my initial reaction to who wins to Aspinla versus Pavlovich. And I did not talk about this before because I wanted to answer this question. So uh, John Jones was supposed to fight Stipe Miocic. Uh, Jones got injured. Uh, Torn uh, a tendon in his back. Very, very common, like, right head <laughs> injury, by the way. And now the fight is not involved, neither of those guys, because they want to save uh, Miyoshi to lose to Jones. So, yeah, the fight uh, now is for the interim title. is Aspinal versus Pavlovich. I think it's a very easy pick for Aspinal, to be honest. Like, Pavlovich can win any fight just because he throws mad hit, and this is heavyweight. But, yeah, I mean, Aspinal has shown to be like way better than him. Despite both being like super early finishers, I think Aspinal has looked a lot better. Um, this is not DSP, ask me why is Javid Basharat 100% correct in how he kicked Henry in the leg? Uh, you can tell because uh, Henry's balls are super swollen and uh, that was uh, obviously a, a secret like D-Mag or maybe Sistema technique that injured uh, Basharat I mean, injured Henry, and it was a completely legal technique by by Basharat, obviously. Uh, Dan Albert, my former co-host of the UFC 4 preview, asked me, who's the new Nick Lentz? Damn, son, that's a very good question, and I don't know how to answer. I have to think about that one. Like, who is the new Nick Lentz? Like, who is, like, a scrappy wrestler that doesn't win a lot, but he's still very good? I mean, Nick Lentz on his prime at Featherweight was very good. Uh, when Chad Mendes beat him, that was a very impressive win, in my opinion. Um, I would have to give it a thought. Maybe we can get get together to chat, to chat about that. Who Who is the new Nick Lentz? You guys, uh, who is the new Nick Lentz? You tell me. Phil Russell... Uh, Notorious hater, even a bigger hater than me probably, <laughs> asked me why is MMA striking so ass like 95% of the time? And why are MMA coaches always bombs? <laughs> oh my god, dude. Um, I think the striking in MMA, 
I think he has improved a lot in the lower weight classes, especially I think a lot of guys are. But there are a lot of bad habits that come from from the distance uh, that wrestling imposes, like a lot of shifting, and that creates a lot of bad habits. Uh, a lot of fighters, even decent ones, are like super incapable of closing distance without shifting. Shifting is not necessarily a bad thing, but you you have to do it well. And I think, yeah, it's like there are not a lot of like developed systems to teach striking in MMA. And then when you try to to train like in a whole nother sport and transfer, you end up with like some weird quicks. Uh, you got to adapt to, to the eccentricities of the sport, the distance, the timing, and then account for like the takedowns, the clinch, uh, no separation during clinch as well. So... I think MMA still doesn't have like uh, uh, like good enough infrastructure when it comes to striking, when it comes to like having good coaches for other sports, especially boxing and kickboxing, and, and making those coaches like study how to transfer well the fundamentals. I mean, the fundamentals always transfer, but the, the selection of techniques, the tactics, how to transfer them well to MMA without like recurring to a lot of gimmicks like shifting, uh, spinning, uh, ugly form punching to get around the like and the high guard with the small gloves, and a lot of that. And why are MMA coaches always bombs? Because um, I know it's <laughs> I do not agree that they are almost always bombs, but but if we're talking about like the low quality of a lot of MMA coaches, I think it comes to to a few factors. So one, uh, the sport is one, the sport is not like super well paid, obviously, so that does not attract a lot of like elite coaches uh, from other sports to make the transition. And the other part is that coaches, a lot of coaches are predatory and they're looking to take money away from fighters just, just like like agents do. Uh, so you get a lot of like a sketchy dudes trying to get, make a... a trying to make money out of fighters. Obviously, you as coach want to earn money, and if your fighter is successful, you deserve to get paid better. Like, that's a given, but, but a lot of, we know a, a lot, we know about a lot of situations of uh, coaches and gyms, like, uh, asking for, like, super big fees for the small pays, uh, payments that um, the fighters receive. So, yeah, I mean, it's complicated, I think, um, the money is not good enough to attract a lot of good people, and and then MMA uh, MMA has this culture that's very midhead culture that uh, gives space for a lot of like charlatans to to make their way to the top. We've seen it time time again with a lot of like bad coaches that get very famous, like and some coaches that do have like some skills, some knowledge in some areas, but they take like the, the role of like head coaching and big MMA camps like we've seen with like Edmund Taverdian or like Winkle John that they 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 have some knowledge about kickboxing, but overall they they should not be like leaving whole camps, you know? Kalumb, uh, at Kalumb94 asked me, how do we deepen the flyweight division in the UFC again? And we need to sign a lot more fighters, but especially like middle tier fighters. Uh, I think the problem with the flyweight division is that uh, it's not only not only is like shallow, uh, but most fighters are very good. Uh, we do not have like I think a division to flow well for contenders, especially in the UFC. I think you need like three defined tiers. I think there are only like two tiers right now in the UFC flyweight division, and the the difference between the low tier and the and the high tier is too big. Like I think we have a a few fighters in that middle space, like Team Elliot, for example. So I think Mokayev now he already cleared that gap. He needs to fight the mid, the higher tier. So for Mokayev it it work all right, but for other fighters you go for fighting like Malcolm Gordon, and then you know, for next fight you have like Brandon Royval, and it's like two way of a, a step up in competition. I think they need to sign more more regional talent, the high quality guys. And try to populate the division and make it flow better. It's, right now it's too few fighters. And then you have like the contender series guys that are not that good. 
and then you have like the, the established talent that they are very good and some of the contender series guys like Royval make that jump I mean Royval is not a contender series right no he's not but sometimes you see like these newcomers make the jump to the, the upper echelon of the division and sometimes they do not and they, is, they are stuck fighting each other it's a very like weird situation but they just need more fighters to be honest Uh, JP Ford asked me what common themes are apparent in fighters or fight that you enjoy, think are cool. And uh, he says thanks. And I and to that I say I say thanks to you <laughs> for asking a question. But when it comes to fighters, uh, obviously I have a like very defined taste. Uh, I enjoy all aspects of MMA, but I obviously have an inclination for striking. That's the thing that I think is the coolest. Uh, when it comes to striking, I there's a few things that that I appreciate. I think are cool. Um, one of them is uh, fires that are, keep a constant volume and are aggressive. You do not need to be like super like taking risk all the time. But I think uh, being active fighter, like keeping a jab out there constantly, I think that wins you a lot of points in my book. To think you are like you are interesting to see. I like fighters that do a lot. Uh, fires that faint, uh, good footwork, obviously, but when it comes like more like like taste related stuff, I enjoy like a good job. Uh, left hookers are are something that I enjoy a lot when it comes to southpaws, body kickers, body kickers from both senses, fighters that go to the body a lot, combination punchers I think are very cool. Uh, but also like sometimes like a jab and low kick guy that puts a lot of damage just with those tools is something that I enjoy a lot as well. There are a lot of different stuff that I like. Um, guys that just throw hooks from both sides do not like do not seem like super fun to me unless they are doing something clever with it. Um, and I also like I like eccentricity. I got. I got in an argument a long time ago against that guy that watches all the fights, Caposa. Uh, he got mad at me for saying that Jiri Prochaska sucks and he got on a, on a rant. He quote tweeted me, by the way, and, and you know he has like a 10,000 followers or whatever. And he was like, oh, these snobs, they only like fighters when they, they fight inside of a certain mode. And it's not that, like, I like a lot of eccentric fighters that fight outside the mold. Um, uh, what I think is that some things are just uh, wrong. And some things, uh, every technique in MMA has, like, pros and cons. And I say this, uh, I do not know who said this, but I think it's, okay, it rings very through, very true. And I always teach this, and I it's that uh, every technique is the wrong technique if your opponent knows it's coming. And yeah, all, all techniques have drawbacks but, and advantages, and sometimes the drawbacks are worse than the advantages. Obviously a jab has a lot more pros than cons compared to like a spinning heel kick to the leg, you know? But, but all techniques have their place if you know how to use them. But sometimes I feel like some fighters get away with fighting shittily, like using bad tactics and bad techniques in the wrong moments just because the competition is, is not up to par. And what I enjoy is fighters that grab something like that it's not very common and uh, that they make it work at a high level of competition. I think that's something that I will always respect. Uh, and especially if there are things that I already like, like doing body work. Uh, so body work, attacking the legs, uh, doing cool stuff behind the jab. I always appreciate that kind of stuff. Uh, when it comes to fights, I think uh, fights are very cool. Uh, some kind of fights like the, the showcase fights are cool. Like when a fighter gets like the perfect foil to unleash all their all their techniques and show good tactics, a good strategy, and they dominate the fight, but they dominate, but the other fighter puts enough resistance that they have to like dig in their bag of tools to, to look great. I think those fights are very enjoyable, especially if it's a fighter that I like, obviously, but uh, the best, the best, absolute best fights are those that are like very high level 
and where both fighters are constantly forced to adapt to what the other is doing and they at the end they have to like dig deep be it with heart with conditioning with technique with answers to get on top and that's why i think like fights like uh jose aldo versus chad mendes 2 or max holloway versus uh dustin poirier 2 are some of the best fights uh I mean, probably my top two favorite fights of all time. Those are so fantastic um, in that both fighters have to adapt so much. I think uh, the reason I like like Holloway and Poirier more is that it was like so closely contested and it looked like it was lost at one time for both guys and then bo they both kept coming with answers and showing like new wrinkles. And then at the end, it, it a lot comes to just luck at the end because it's just so tough. Like sometimes you just land the right punch that allows you to to win an exchange. But yeah, I think that's, those are the fights that I think are very cool. Ocean Frog at Colin Brown Man 3 asked me, do you think that despite the controversial way it was achieved, Russell versus Chevchenko ended in the correct decision? Also more generally, should there be more draws in the sport? Um, yeah, I mean, did not think a lot about it when it happened, but I think a draw is fine in that fight, despite that there, there's what, there was not a very logical win to achieve a draw uh, decision there, maybe scoring a 10-10. Uh, I think there was a super close round, maybe round one. I don't know. Uh, I think I had, like, Valentina winning that fight. I don't remember to be honest and I haven't rewatched. But I think a draw feels alright there. And when it comes to having more draws in the sport, yes. Uh, not because I like draws, but I think because uh, scoring more tenates uh, it would be a good thing for the sport. And I think uh, more tenates would lead to more draws. I think uh, and there was a shift toward that direction and I think the UFC got mad at the more 10-8 because it leads to more draws so now judges are again like less willing to give more 10-8s which is a bad thing I think 10-8s um, are good and I'm fine with draws if, if a fight is a draw a fight is a draw I'm not, I won't get mad at that uh, I think it's a very like American thing to not accept draws. I think mostly because you guys do not have like football over there <laughs> So every every contest cannot end in a draw never and I think that's not how it is. I think draws are fine uh, Strong Machine JK asked uh, how would a fight between the Bronx and Holloway go at lightweight? Man, I would I would have to watch tape to answer that to be honest, but I've, I'm still feeling Holloway like I did all those years ago, but it sounds like a tremendous fight. Like the Bronx have some tools to to give some trouble to Holloway, especially the kicking and the clinch game. I mean, not that Max is any bad in the clinch, but it's the kicking mostly that it's like, and straight punches. Like, I mean, it's it's the firepower that uh, Oliveira has and that would force like Holloway to close the distance and then inside he has to clinch but I think Max has the tools to compete everywhere I think he would surprise a lot uh, Oliveira at long range if they were to fight again and then you have the x-factor of the takedowns and the grappling uh, because Oliveira looks super strong when he gets to to like body locks and that kind of stuff but Holloway defends super well against that kind of stuff. Like we've seen like Volkanovski have not, not much success taking him down at all. So yeah, I mean, who knows? It would be a tremendous fight. I would be so happy to watch that fight, to be honest. Ketsier, uh, 94.50, a long wide, 50 wide. I, I don't know how to read your name, uh, bro, sorry. Uh, he asked what went wrong in Hamza choke attempts in round one. I think it was mostly Usman, uh, Usman defending well. Uh, he was fighting the hands well. Uh, he was stalking his chin, taking angles with his head. Uh, she might have never committed to like a, a neck crank. Probably he felt like Usman was strong. But I think it was Usman like mostly like finding grips well. Um, he could have used more 
ground and pound maybe to to open up more paths but when you commit like to to hard ground and pound from back mount especially when you're standing up in the backpack uh, you can lose a bit of position and maybe Usman could use that opportunity to fight a hook and liberate himself so yeah, yeah I think it it came to Usman being like conservative accepting being controlled and uh, concentrating uh, concentrating in in not getting submitted mostly and I have uh, a few more questions. Uh, my good friend Ronan, Assured Fov, asked me, what do you think about the state of the top 15 Bantamweight? This question rhymes, so it's perfect. I don't know if it, if it rhymed when I read it. I'm sorry. I think uh, the division is fine. I think the there's a bit of a mess with the Ajo and Marab thing. And now we have like Chris Guti and Martinez that won't fight each other, but there's a lot of matchups that you can still make at the division. Um, what's next? I think uh, uh, either Merav or Cory Sanhagen are the, the the guys that deserve to fight for the title. I think, is Sehudo versus Merav a thing? Or did I dream about that? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, and if they get a title shot to Shido, I'm fine with that too, because Shido already beat uh, O'Malley. But I think the division is fine. It keeps being the best division in the sport, to be honest. Even if O'Malley is the champion, I think O'Malley is a good fighter. So, I mean, I mean it's fine. It's fine. I, I like, I I still think uh, Bantamweight is the best division. I think the matchmaking could be a bit better, but, but there's not a lot to go wrong in there. Uh, hope uh, Sanhagen comes back soon to action to fight for the title. Uh, Merav too. Uh, even though I'm not a big Merav fan, uh, the quality of Merav is undeniable at this point, and I think he deserves a fight for the title, especially with uh, the Diasteric wins win against Aldo. I do not think he won that fight, but it's alright. It's whatever. And the win against Piero Jan was very very impressive. So, so yeah, I think Bantamweight is still great. Keith asked me, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I hope you are fine as well. Uh, Steven tells me initial thoughts on Pavlovich and Aspina. I already answered that, by, but thank you for asking. As from Machine JK asked another question. He says, how do you see Mofsar versus Arnold Allen playing out? And I think it's a very interesting fight. Uh, I think the, the soul power from Arlen Allen and the size could be trouble for, for Ibloyev. But at the same time, uh, Allen has been kind of sketchy during transitions. We, we don't know how much he has uh, improved in that area since the, since the Mass Burnell fight. Uh, so I I really would have to watch some tape. I, I'm sorry when you guys ask me about a matchup and I say I would need to watch tape. I think it's such a combo, but but I I would really need to to watch. But I think yeah, uh, Allen being a southpaw, aggressive, powerful, uh, big. I think both uh, uh all of those things are very concerning for for Ibloyev. Ibloyev obviously not very big for the division. He used to make 135. I think he has bulk uh, good enough to be like a true featherweight, but he's still on the smaller side. And, and Allen is very aggressive. Uh, he can he can bang hard. So so I think this one is a fight where Ibloyev will depend a lot on on closing the distance using his chain wrestling. And it depends a lot on how Allen's like, scrambling and Matt Racing hold up there. And if and how like Ibloyev deals with grappling like with a big strong dude uh, who will be very aggressive on the feet. But I think it's a fantastic fight and the winner should be like very super well positioned uh, for it. maybe a title eliminator or something. But yeah, I mean very excited for that fight. I think Ibloyev still has some uh, avenues there, especially because Allen, especially trying to close the distance, he gets sloppy with some marching combinations, and then Ibloyev can get to a body lock and start working his chain wrestling together. And obviously Ibloyev 
also a good jabber and I think he he's a good jabber against southpaws as well so it will be interesting how the the lead hand battle plays out between Allen and Ivloyev. Uh, so yeah, I mean, very excited about this fight. Uh, who I have winning, I couldn't tell you right now. But I, I, I'll let you guys know my opinion when I'm more educated about the fact. And that would be the podcast, guys. Uh, thank you so much to everyone for listening. I'm sorry, this is super late. But the podcast, it is the podcast, you know. Uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, if anyone wants to tell me, like, uh, happy birthday, it was a Monday, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, so lame to say that, but it's whatever. Let's get into the final part. And I remind you guys that the Early Pre Podcast is brought to you by X Marshall. X Marshall is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the Jiu Jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear, and training equipment. Use code TheFightSite to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's the fight site. All caps, no spaces, and for the best deals and discounts, sign up to the mailing list and follow the socials at X Marshall Official. So thank you, X Marshall, as always. And if you guys want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, you can always support us on Patreon. Uh, signing up to your Patreon to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the fight site. Uh, you can get access to a big uh, a backlog of exclusive content that we cannot put anywhere else. And you also get access to our Discord server that is super cool, full of uh, cool people that you can talk about fighting and everything else. And lastly, but not least, uh, you can commission a video to me on coffee. I still have slots left for only 25 bucks. You can commission me um, an analysis video uh, about an MMA uh, kickboxing or Muay Thai fight three rounds. I'll make a video analysis about the winner, talking about uh, the strategies and tactics that they use to win. Uh, you can see a few of the commissions in the on the Fight Side channel at YouTube. So if you want to support me, there's there's always that, that option and you can get something back. Uh, another of the commissions is coming out this week and the few left are, are coming the next two weeks. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.